This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Good morning, I'm Larissa Moore. And I'm Eliza Harvey. It's Wednesday the 18th of May. In your Squiz today, Ukraine surrenders in Mariupol, the Poles tighten, solar power after dark, and a spud crisis in the UK. This is your Squiz today. For nearly three months, the city of Mariupol in Ukraine has been under attack from Russian forces, with the Azovstal steelworks the last pocket of resistance. But now Ukraine has surrendered the steelworks to Russia in its most significant defeat of the war so far. While Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky declared it a difficult day, he said Ukraine needs Ukrainian heroes alive. Take us through the surrender, Eliza. So the Russian Defence Ministry said a ceasefire had been established to allow the wounded Ukrainian servicemen to get out. Uh, That's been reported through Russian state media. It also showed videos of around 10 buses leaving the steel plant with reports saying that many appeared to be ambulances. Now, Ukraine's government said that the men had been moved to two Russian-controlled towns, 53 seriously injured men to a medical facility and another 211 elsewhere. And that's after many civilians that were hiding in that sprawling maze of tunnels and bunkers under the steelworks were evacuated a fortnight ago. And uh, Ukraine's Deputy Defence Minister Hanna Malia said that the defenders of Mariupol, that's what she called them, kept the Russian forces busy, which gave her country critical time to regroup for the larger war effort. There's been so much fighting focused on Mariupol because of its strategic significance. With the surrender, Russia can now establish a land corridor between the Crimean Peninsula and areas like Donbass, but the fighting is set to continue, Eliza. Yeah, it is. It's actually been quite intense around the northern city of Kharkiv, that's in the northeast, where a Ukrainian counterattack had actually pushed the Russian troops back. And that prompted Britain's most senior military official, a man named Admiral Satoni Radikin, to say that Ukraine is actually winning the war and will be able to stay independent. As that fighting has been going on, the peace talks that have been back and forward for months, they broke down overnight. Ukraine accused Russia of abandoning its own rules and timetable. And Russia said Ukraine had practically withdrawn from the peace process altogether. Though both sides have previously insisted they're still open to negotiating an end to the fighting, but at this stage it does continue. Back home and in politics, we're only a few days away from the election. The polls are finally starting to tighten Eliza, which can often happen as we get to the pointy end of the whole show. It's only three sleeps, Larissa, and the race appears to be getting very tight indeed. Uh, The Sydney Morning Herald Age Political Monitor poll shows a fall in support for Labor, cutting its primary vote from 34 to 31%. At the same time, the coalition has picked up a point, moving up to 34%, with the rest backing minor parties and independent candidates. Uh, On a two-party preferred basis, Labor comes out just ahead, 51-49. The poll has a margin of 
error of just 2%. So what this all means is if it's replicated on election day, it's going to be extremely tight. Bigger picture, we're going to be seeing a lot more of the two leaders over the next few days. PM Scott Morrison was on A Current Affair Online last night where there was a lot of talk about when he was a bulldozer. That's obviously a word that he's used to describe himself. Uh, And Labor's Anthony Albanese will be at the press club in Canberra today. Lots of last minute messaging. It's always interesting to see where they'll be out and about over these next few final days. On to international news, and we spoke last week about the situation in Sri Lanka with Prime Minister Mahinda Rajapaksa resigning amidst the country's ongoing economic crisis. There's a new PM now, Ranil Wickremesinghe. He says the country's crisis is going to get worse before it gets better. In a sign of how bad things are right now, though, the country's down to its last day of petrol. Yeah, it's quite an incredible thing to read, isn't it? It's obviously an extremely serious situation. PM Wickramasinghe made those comments in a televised address. He said the nation urgently needs 75 million US dollars in foreign currency in the next few days to pay for essential imports. Uh, He says while they try to negotiate that money, they'll have to print money to pay government wages. Uh, And the context here, of course, is the rising cost of living, the pandemic. Uh, There were also tax cuts cuts that were made to shore up government support recently, but left the government coffers in a really parlous position. And without that foreign currency, they can't import the fuel and they can't import the essentials like medicine. It's the worst economic crisis in more than 70 years. President Gotabaya Rajapaksa, who's the brother of the former prime minister, is still so far resisting pressures to also resign. On to science now and the term night time solar power might sound like a contradiction, but a team of Aussie researchers have made a major breakthrough after generating solar power at night for the first time. You might need to pop your lab coat on to unpack this one, Eliza. All right, stand by. Uh, what, what I can tell you is that the background here is that after the energy from the sun arrives on Earth, the planet actually releases the same amount of energy back into space, and that's what can be captured. And in order to do that, the team used a thermoradiative diode. Now, what that is is a sensor. Uh, it's actually used in existing technologies like night vision goggles. Uh, it converts the captured particles back into electricity. And the lead response researcher on the project said the technology is still in its very early stages, but he does hope it can be developed to be used on a much larger scale. It's all pretty cool. Yeah, still a way to go. They say they've generated proof of concept, done the scientific demonstration, but there is a long way to go before it scales into manufacturing. But I totally agree with you. How good is science? We're big fans of spuds in all their delicious forms. So this was a story that really caught our eye. A third of the UK's 10,000 fish and chip shops are set to close in the next nine months. We'd call that a chip crisis. We certainly would. It does not get much more serious than this in the UK. And I think if Boris Johnson can't fix this, his leadership could be in serious peril. (laughs) Up to 40% of the UK's cod and haddock for the fish and chips comes from Russian waters. About half of its sunflower oil is imported from Ukraine. So this is where all the trouble is coming from. Uh, With those supply chains under such pressure, businesses are paying about 83% more for sunflower oil, which is so much. 
March compared to early March. And the price of Icelandic cod has nearly doubled to 475 US dollars on a year ago. So that means that everybody's had to put up their prices and many businesses are predicted to go under. Add that to the rising cost of living pressures that are also happening in the UK and it's not great news for the national dish of fish and chips. From potatoes to bean couch potatoes, a new poll in the US shows that 55% of Americans prefer watching comfort TV and movies to wind down rather than other relaxing things like yoga or having a bath. I've got to say, I'd love to be doing yoga at night, but I do not really feel like it. I might be part of this 55% group. Uh, same. It's a little easier to reach for the remote, <laughs> It really is. One neuroscientist who's actually analysed this report says the link between TV and relaxation is about the reward centres of your brain. They actually release dopamine, which essentially tells your brain you're enjoying this, keep going, which is probably the reason we stay up too late watching TV. Miss out on that important sleep. Need that nudge from Netflix sometimes. Are you still watching? Yes, I'm getting my dopamine hit. Carry on, please. Uh, But the comfort shows, some people can re-watch their favourite shows up to 18 times. That's a lot of re-watching. Squiz the day. Eliza, what are you taking note of today? Well, we're sticking pretty heavily on the election theme this week. Mm. Today is the deadline to apply for a postal vote for Saturday's poll. Uh, You've got to get in by 6pm tonight and you can apply online at the AEC website. Good one to note. I'll just say that our next Squiz the Election episode is also out today. It takes a look at hung parliaments, why it's being talked about as a possibility this election and how it's happened in the past. Stay listening for that episode just after this. And we do have one more Ask the Squiz episode to come out this Saturday. So if you've got any last minute questions about the election, about the campaign, send it through to hello at thesquiz.com.au and we'll cover it off in our Ask the Squiz episode. That's all for now. Have a good one. We'll be back tomorrow.